Welcome to Mind Body Boss. This is the podcast for people who know that our minds and bodies are connected. They affect one another, and the more we learn how they operate, the more we get to be the boss of our life experience. We're your hosts, Michelle Stevenette and April Judd. Hey, welcome to Mind Body Boss. You've got episode 97 with your hosts, Michelle Stevenette and. April Judd. Welcome. We're so glad you are here today. Um, episode 97, we are talking about when you don't have time to read. April. Okay, so this was in the book club book episode. However, do not turn it off. Listen right now. We still think that if you don't have time to read, you should absolutely listen to books on Audible. So audibletrial.com slash boss if you want a free trial. Do that. However, the book that we chose to discuss for today, we maybe should have edited it a little bit better first. Um, yeah, I thought you had already read this book and that's why we were recommending it. Yeah, no, and I don't as think I, I ever said that. <laughs> I misunderstood. And as I got listening, I was like, is this really the book we want to be want to be for a book club? <laughs> I mean, not exactly. However, <laughs> so I would recommend this book. This is called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. You should totally listen to this book if you are an entrepreneur, if if you are interested in epidemics, not of the diseased kind, mm-hmm. and or if you are someone who really just loves to listen to audiobooks and wants some good, interesting storytelling and... With some data and research in yeah, there. Yeah, a whole and, lot of data and research to back it up, which is awesome. I love that kind. And I have read a different book by Malcolm Gladwell, which is probably why you got confused. Mm. I have read Outliers. Mm. So interesting book, but not really the content that I was anticipating. No. However, we are all about turning lemons into lemonade over here. <laughs> not that and it's really a lemon per no, se. No, 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 no. But yes, we have, we have some great takeaways to share with you. Yes, we do. I think that you can always find something to learn no matter what. So here we are learning things from this book. We have come up with three rules of the tipping point. Well, we didn't come up with these. The author came up with these, but we're going to give our own sort of thoughts about um, how they apply for us. These are three rules of our version of the ones he gave because his were awesome and full of all sorts of research and things you probably don't want to listen to right now. So we're (laughs) going to give you our interpretation of the three rules that he gave. So these are our rules. They're just not the ones that he used exactly. Not exactly, but we're taking his and sort of sharing our versions of them. So he still gets the credit. Uh, So the very first one that we are interpreting this way, and we're taking a lot of liberty here, I will say, but it is that knowing that you have an effect And I think we sometimes underestimate the effect that we do have because we just see ourselves as just this little person in our little world. And we don't necessarily understand that the way we interact with people or don't interact with people or the way even you just pass somebody at the grocery store or the way that you operate in traffic or anything like that, that we do have these little sort of nonverbal cues and things that we pick up like we do have effect in tiny ways but even in kind of bigger ways that I think become sometimes more evident like I had a birthday recently and my husband set up a 
Zoom call for all these people in my life to sing happy birthday to me because I'm one of the people in the world that like being sung to on my birthday. I, apparently that's not very common. A lot of people don't like that, but I love being sung to on my birthday. I think it's super fun. So he arranged a Zoom call and had all these people from all different places of my life all gathered together. Many of them didn't know each other. And it was so awesome to see all these people that came on together at the same time. And it just... It like almost brought me to tears to just see that there's all these people that cared enough to do that. And like I'm getting emotional now again, just thinking about it. But just to realize that, you know, people care about you. And I'm not saying this is like, oh, look at how people care about me. But just I think this is true for any person. Um, we have more of an effect than we might realize on those around us. Oh, I think for sure. And in the book, he illustrates three different types of people who have the power in um, spreading things and having an effect on other people. And just to go over those briefly, the first one is a connector, and that's kind of a social person that knows a lot of people. The second one is a maven, and that's someone who knows a lot about a lot of things and is willing to impart you know, their um, knowledge and information to you and really loves helping. And then the third one is, you know, your basic salesperson, someone who can just by their actions and demeanor and words and whatever can sell you on something. And however, he goes through all those things and kind of tells you how they spread. You still have the ability to spread things. You still have an effect on other people. Even if you aren't one of Even those. Even if you're not one of those. Yeah. yeah. And so it kind of makes you start to think, you know, like you had all these people come and like sing happy birthday and stuff to you. Like think of the effect that you are having on other people, whether it's the person that came to like the Zoom call to wish happy birthday to you and kind of the effect and what, what are you bringing? What are you using your connections? How big or how small your reach? Are you putting something out there that is something that feels right to you? You know, like are you putting out positivity are you putting out joy are you putting out friendship are you putting out like a yeah. a smile or a how are you or a really awesome rendition of happy birthday which by the way <laughs> I did <laughs> it was the best because nobody was singing together it was like not in unison at all but it was amazing and I loved it <laughs> no I actually have a friend speaking of happy birthday song I'm one who thinks the happy birthday song should be sung like kind of upbeat and a little bit faster I agree and so I had this friend who knows that and oh. so he sings so slowly when I'm around <laughs> singing him. And oh, man, it just kills me. It's like he does it just to troll me every time. Oh, it's the best because it just and then having him a song, I'm just laughing because he's trying to sing so slowly. So it's fantastic. But honestly, you have an effect on other people. Other people have an effect on you. You're spreading something. Maybe be thoughtful about what you're spreading and decide if that's something that you want. Are yeah. you spreading animosity? Are you spreading, you know, criticism? Are you spreading hate? Are you spreading, you know, what, where are you at in that? Yeah. Having some awareness of who you're being and do you like who you're being and do you want to shift a little bit and be a little bit more of who you want to be? For sure. Yeah. Okay. So that was number one. So number one was know that you have an effect. Number two, minor changes bring massive results. So the book tagline really is how little things can make a big difference. 
Mm-hmm. And I really love this idea. Um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the power of context. And that kind of just saying that human beings are a lot more sensitive to their environment than they appear. I was really blown away by this section of the book, to be honest. This was maybe, might have been my favorite part of the book because it was so surprising to me. The stories of how people's behavior was so influenced by some external things that made me, it almost made me in some parts a little uncomfortable. Like, no, I can't imagine that, you know, these things would make people behave so differently because it almost felt like a conflict of agency in a way. Like it was such a shocking influence. Yeah, like you don't realize that outside influences have such a powerful effect on you. Yeah, I was really surprised. But um, in a way, it can also be a very hopeful piece of information as well to realize that when you do surround yourself with the things that are going to be useful and supportive and you know uh I guess this kind of is now going into the to number three but just knowing that little changes can make big I'm probably getting ahead of myself I'm talking about the wrong one I was like you're still going I, was like, I, think, I think we really like this part like this part was the one all right, rewind. <laughs> back to minor changes, bringing massive results. Back it up. <laughs> okay, so he gives the example, which I thought was super interesting because, as you know, my kids are in the, well, not all of them, but at least my little, my youngest one is in the kid watching TV learning phase Mm. and so I talked about like you know Daniel Tiger how he's like my parenting inspiration well Sesame Street is fantastic if you've ever watched Sesame Street as an adult they put in so many small little amounts of humor that adults can enjoy as well as things that kids just latch onto is like a wonderful art that they've come across and it's funny because as I'm sitting here with my you know one-year-old I can hear it in the background I'm like giggling at some of their jokes and I think that's Mm. they've created like this perfect balance but he gives the example of they did all this research and into finding like the you know where having the puppets interact with the humans and all the things that it's made of and even if they took like a word you know Sesame Street has their words so if they took like the word cat and they had the puppet next to the word cat then that didn't hold the child's attention as much as moving the puppet just in front of the word cat. So you could still see it in the fore, you still see the puppet in the foreground and the word in the background, but just having that puppet moved over a few inches so that it was in front of the word had huge changes in their ability to reach the children. Yeah. And so he, you know, gives many other examples, but that one stuck out to me because it was so minor like such a tiny little adjustment, but they had to be willing to be flexible. They had to be willing to experiment, to change, to maybe fail, for someone to be like, hey, let's put this puppet in front of the word and someone else to be like, what, are you kidding me? We're covering up the word that we're trying to convey to the child. You know, I think you have to be willing to to really go out there and make your minor adjustment. Yeah, they also gave example of like in Blue's Clues or in uh, there, like there was an ABC thing where they would like, recite the ABCs, but they would have these long pauses in between. And like just making the pause longer, you would think would be, oh, they're going to lose attention. But like it increased their re- attention because they were trying to anticipate or they were like learning as they went. And anyways, different things like that. These little tiny, 
tiny changes made a big difference. But, um, but we're thinking about like in our, in our own life, you had a really good example about with your children and when you talked to them, what you had learned. Yeah. I read a parenting, I read a lot of parenting books over the last decade of my life, but I read one and that talked about when you were trying to talk to your children, really have a conversation that seems meaningful, you need to get down to their level physically. So whether it's you're both sitting down and you're able to look them in the eye, that's kind of what you wanted to be able to do. And so just the small minor adjustment of crouching down so that you could look them face to face rather than standing up and kind of having that a little bit of aggression because most of us are, you know, taller than our toddlers. Mm -hmm. Um, Just as maybe a perceived intimidation. Yeah, for sure. Then it just, it was a small adjustment, but a huge difference in um, the results of what you were saying to how the message is received yeah, to right? your child. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Another one that I've kind of realized a little bit in parenting lately is that uh, one of my children really needs to eat first thing in the morning. <laughs> and so I have found that if I try to kind of go over what the day's plans are before there's food in his stomach, it is not going well. It is not, <laughs> it is a meltdown central. But if I can get food in his stomach, and wait until right after he's eaten to tell him what's going on during the day. It is a whole different kid. Yeah, just a little tweak. That is a small adjustment. That's a, like a five-minute timetable right there. But mm-hmm. it is huge. The same thing with, I always think of when you're arguing with someone or when the, like, maybe not even arguing, but in my family, it's more passive aggressiveness because that's how I operate. <laughs> um, when you're having like a tough moment with your spouse, the best thing, and my husband has totally mastered this, but the best thing to do is when you make them laugh. It's like a small little adjustment can yeah. totally change your conversation and can like ease. It shifts the energy, shifts the mood, right? Absolutely. And those are just, these are small. Yeah. We've got a couple of like other, you know, small minute, small minor adjustments that you could do during your day that could possibly have a large impact on it. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just even splashing water on your hands or your face if you need a little time out or it's pausing to just notice your breath or to go outside and look at the sun for a minute or maybe it's just making your bed even or doing a quick little meditation or a prayer or just even choosing to wake up a little bit earlier and just knowing that you that gives giving yourself that as a gift as opposed to like a a have to but like giving yourself that little gift of like I'm gonna have an extra 10 minutes this morning that's just me time um something like that where it doesn't have to be anything big but it can sure just be just a a mood boost for me I like to do handstands and for me, that's a little mood boost. It really is. It's, it's fun to find something like that. But yeah, so just minor changes bring massive results. Um, it doesn't have to be big. It can be small. And the change might just be so well worth it that you wondered why you hadn't thought of that sooner. Yeah. Uh, I also want to mention in here, in case you are, this is something that I just discovered recently. I'm a fan of Dr. Greger, and I'm going to just mention this because it's a little tiny, there's little tweaks. He wrote the book, How Not to Die, but he also wrote a book, How Not to Diet. And anyways, his app now has 21 tweaks for weight loss. So if this is sort of sidetracky, but little tiny tweaks that can make a difference over time. So go download his little app. It's free. Get nothing for sharing this. This is just <laughs> just a little side note. Um, but there's just little tweaks in there that... Um, I think can add up and make some big changes. So if you're looking for, you know, just a little extra in that area, go check that out. 
for sure. It's like, you know, the advice they give you is like, take the stairs instead of taking the elevator, which I only do if I don't have my kids with me. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, you know, all the small little things totally help. That's awesome. Okay. Number three. Number three is surroundings matter. Um, He tells this theory or story, I guess, of the broken window. It's a broken window theory. And basically the theory is um, that if there is a broken window, they're talking about like in a city, and if it's left unrepaired, then people will assume that nobody cares and that no one is in charge. And that this tends to then be an invitation for more serious crime. And so the broken window theory is that if there's a broken window, it's going to lead to more broken windows and or worse things. And so this, uh, when I read this or listened to this part of the book, it totally made me think about my kitchen and how if there are like a few dishes in the sink, it just like begets more dishes. Like a messy kitchen just gets messier, I feel like. And And at the same time, if there's kind of a clean space, like if you go... I don't know, we'll like go to a friend, we, my brother and sister-in-law have a, there's a cabin that we sometimes have gone to and it's so pristine and clean and it's like, oh, this is just going to stay this way. You know, it like the cleanliness sort of begets the cleanliness and the messiness begets messiness. And I feel like it, it's just so interesting to see how uh, the surroundings just really can influence the behavior. Oh, it's huge. I thought this was such an interesting part of the book, actually really just shows you that the things that you surround yourself with and what you let into your life greatly influences you. More so than you would think. Oh, yeah. He gave sure. some stories and examples that were kind of uh, befuddling for me. Like, I was really surprised to hear how impactful surroundings are to behavior because I like to think that my behavior is going to be my behavior regardless of my surroundings. And some of the stories he shared were sort of surprising to hear how much people's behavior shifted based on environmental surroundings. It's pretty shocking. It really is. And so it kind of is just a good reminder that your surroundings do matter, that the people you surround you with, everyone's kind of heard that you are a combination of the five people you spend the most time with. Mm -hmm. There you go. Like that's your surroundings. Yeah. Or I always think of how, you know, it's so much easier to exercise if you have an exercise partner or it's so much easier to eat well when you're around someone that eats well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that what, who and what you let in, the content you let into your life, I think of social media, I think of Instagram, you know, I, I think if you look through my feed, then you kind of see the things that I'm trying to curate into my life, you know, if you're, yeah. if you're interested in, uh, art then maybe you're following a bunch of artists and that's like coming into you and if you're interested in entrepreneurship maybe that's something you're looking at or whatever it is I think just remember that your surroundings matter maybe more than you think oh and part of surroundings is even the context of of situations he gave this example of these seminarians or like uh, students who were studying theology mm-hmm. and they were asked to create a sermon or some kind of a talk and then they were to walk to another building on campus to present this and there was a bunch of different variables but basically they had studied the story of the good samaritan and they had you know placed somebody in the path on the way to the building that was going to be 
groaning and like in a ball on the ground or something like this. Kind of an obvious need. An of obvious help, help. right, right, that they were going to be passing on the way to their building and they were told and some of them were told, Oh, they were already expecting you, you're late. Can like you better hurry. And others were told um, oh, they're actually running late. You're going to be, you have plenty of time, but you might as well just get going, but no rush. And it was interesting to see that those who were told just the simple thought of, oh, I'm late or I need to hurry. Um, they were less likely to stop and help this person compared to those who had time or believed that they had time. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even though they all were kind of from the same school of thought of, you know, being, you know, studying Christianity and having just studied the Good Samaritan and having, you know, these innate beliefs and having creating a sermon to even go and share, um, just that little piece of information of, of having that mindset of you're in a hurry versus you've got time completely influenced their behavior on their way to the building that they were heading to. So anyways, that was sort of an interesting, I think I've heard that actually before or a version of that somewhere. But anyways, it just is interesting to realize that just that little mindset um, can really influence your behavior. And how often do we in our lives have that mindset of being in a rush or whatever the mindset might be that might not lend ourselves to our best behavior? Yeah, I think it's just realizing that I mean, along with your surroundings, your thoughts, the things that you're letting come in, the things that you're having help shape you, that's something that, yeah, you probably need a lot of awareness surrounding it to decide which things are most useful. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe if they, even if they were told, you know, you're already late, Mm -hmm. um, that sparks a thought of like, oh my goodness, I'm late, I need to be in a hurry, which that would be me. I would totally want to, whenever I'm late, which I'm late kind of a lot, Then I'm, you know, rushing, trying to get my kids' shoes on, trying to hurry and do this. Hurry, 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 hurry. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that even if you are maybe knowing that you're late, still thinking, finding a thought or a mindset that's possibly serving you a little bit better. Yeah. It's just about practicing, I guess, right? Practicing practicing being in all situations and circumstances who you want to be. For sure. Okay. To recap. Yes. You don't necessarily have to read this book. That's just our first recap. You know, choose a different one if you'd like. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't my favorite. No. Um, The the 4,000 five-star reviews, I think, came from a lot of people that were looking to um, understand how they could go viral with their businesses. Yes. So, however, our takeaways. Know that you have an effect. Mm -hmm. Minor changes bring massive results. And your surroundings and thoughts matter. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, well, thank you for joining us on our book club. A little bit of our baby birds empty nests here. Mm-hmm. We were discussing um, kind of small small and simple things that we could do to have a massive impact in our lives, and that got us to chatting about family prayer. Yeah. Um, Michelle, how does family prayer go at your house right now? Yeah, so... You know, my kids, we've done, we've always had family prayer at night and in the mornings as well. Um, But with the kids being out of the house, it really just started being mostly just at night, sometimes in the morning, maybe on a phone call. But at nighttime, a lot of times with our daughter, we would just be on the phone with her at night, would say a prayer with her 
going before going to bed. Our son was, you know, serving a mission. But now they're both home temporarily. They're both about ready to take off. But but we have still done foam foam prayers and um for which I'm actually really grateful. Even though it is one of those things that like doesn't feel like that big of a deal and sometimes it's really brief. I think it's so I mean, I use the word cute, but I really love it. I love that your family does like phone prayers. Like yeah. I just I kind of love that. I love the idea of like your kids being away from home or at college or whatever and like calling home and just having this little prayer over the phone. I think that's so cute. <laughs> and it's like this beautiful little connection that you know, I don't know. I I just imagine, you know, them out with friends and being like, oh, hey, I got to take this phone call. Hold on. I'm walking out of the room <laughs> yeah. and being like, my parents are calling for our family night prayer and kind of like blushing or like making fun of it for a second, but really just yeah. loving it. Like loving that you care to call and to have this like family togetherness and this time where you get to pray together and I just love it. It's oh. super sweet. Thanks. And yeah, I definitely know that has happened. There's times where we're like, she's like, um, this really isn't a good day. <laughs> be like, okay, just, you just listen and we'll just say it, you know? But it's, I love that. I just, I think that, yes, that might have been like a super small, simple thing to you, but having that nightly prayer instilled in them and having that kind of be a part of them, I'm sure just yeah. brings a lot of feelings of like love and inclusion and another way to pray and be grateful and meditate and connect with the divine and with our heavenly parents. I love that. Um, well, our family prayers before quarantine, we're doing really well. We had been praying every morning before our kids rushed out to the door to school and we had this great schedule going. And then the last like six weeks, we really struggled because now we're not going anywhere and no one's starting at the same time. And mornings are somehow even more hectic because everyone's staying up a little bit later at night (laughs) And our <laughs> nightly prayers are a little bit more of a struggle as well. Yeah. Um, but my five-year-old says the best prayers right now. We all, when we all kneel in the morning, and a lot of times on the way to school, my nephews would come ride with my kids to school, and so we'd usually wait for them to come in. But my five-year-old, man, he prays for, it's a really good lesson in prayer, because he prays for whatever is on his mind and in his sweet little five-year-old heart. He mm-hmm. has prayed for people to be healed. He has prayed for, you know, he was really into the resurrection for a little while. And so he really just prayed for, you know, when Jesus came back to the earth that, you know, we would all be resurrected. <laughs> and he's prayed for soccer goals to be scored. He's played, prayed for people to have good times on their birthdays. And a lot of times, like, as soon as the prayer's over, we all kind of, look at each other and like smile and like giggle a little bit but he is so proud of his will like he like loves to pray like whenever someone's like who wants to say a prayer he like just hands just shoots up he's like oh me Aww. i want to say the prayer and it's so cute and you can tell that he's just earnestly thinking and trying so hard and every single one of his prayers to be thoughtful and it really is just kind of my favorite that's darling. I got to witness one. <laughs> Michelle and got to have an Emerson prayer. I did, and it's very, very sweet. His prayers are usually pretty long. Very Michelle, thoughtful. Michelle was lucky, and there were only minor pauses while he, he thought of things. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we we had to have the conversation where you can't pray specifically for toys anymore, Emerson. <laughs> I think he thought it was a, a some sort of a wish list. Yeah. So we had to have that conversation. He no longer <laughs> prays for Beyblades for everyone with not having to pay any money for them. 
Oh, yeah. It's not a genie in a bottle. <laughs> yeah, not so much. So, anyhow, family prayer, baby birds, empty nests. Yeah. All the things in between. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. If you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, please share it. And we'll be back here again next Wednesday with another episode. We will. Have a great week. Hey, thanks for being here today. We appreciate you listening. Yes, I'm so glad you were here. Did you know we have an Instagram account specifically for this podcast? We sure do. Come find us on Instagram at mind.body.boss. We are continuing the conversation over there and we would love to hear from you. We'd love your insights. We'd love your questions, your ideas, your thoughts. Come and meet us over on Instagram. We'll see you there.